In this podcast, you have about the win against Hull, the return of Isaiah Jones, and answer your podcast questions. This is the Bora Breakdown podcast, and this is why your Bora Mash Day Chatter in a pod. One support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Abanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Bora Breakdown podcast with Johnny and Dana. We are the Bora podcast that gives you all of your Bora match day chatter in a podcast. And Bora came back from 1-0 down to beat the Tigers 3-1 at the Riverside. It was a six-minute blitz and Bora are now in the top six for the remainder of the season because we qualified for the playoffs. Uh, Dana Mo, how are you feeling about Bora's win against Hull City? Just really grateful, to be honest, that we've got a team that can win like this. Uh, sort of, you score one, we'll score three, and it's absolutely fine with us. And yeah, I think it's just good to go to Riverside and be entertained because we've had many, many seasons of the exact opposite of that. I will say I was entertained under Chris Wilder, but not to this degree at all. And just good to you know have a team that can put a smile on your face because sometimes you just need it. Mm, you absolutely do. Um, and we were really fun in that second half against Hull. Um, I walked away from the from the stadium absolutely buzzing. Um, I thought we were brilliant in that second half. And just, you know, it's just so fun in it at the minute. I, I really enjoy myself uh, when, when I go out of matches. And I've never had this, I haven't said that for a while in terms of, if you look back at the previous seasons, where it was like, Give my eyes out to watch sometimes. Yeah, certainly um, when we've been doing this pod as well, we've had some yes. awful games to to dissect. Awful. I know, and I don't want to blame people for not listening either because it was a poor <laughs> period in Boris in Boris history. Mm-hmm. Um, but should we chat about uh, the game against Hull and we'll go from the very beginning because Bor made one change with Mark coming in for Ramsey, hacking on the left hand side. It was pretty much the system uh, that we moved to against uh, Norwich uh, when. When Ramsey got injured, um, Dana, what's your thoughts actually on this? Because Hayden Hackney's moving that left hand side now. It's a little bit different from having that out and out winger or, or an attacking player uh, on that left hand side. So, what, what's your thoughts on on Hackney shift, uh, shifting over to the left? You can see why Carrick has done it because technically Hayden Hackney is is very gifted. I think he's good at taking the ball on the half turn. He's good at carrying the ball. And he's good at making good decisions and, and he has a good pass selection. So you think about that McGree role, it needs that technical type of player. And I think although we've seen Hayden Hackney in a slightly, well, I'd say a slightly deeper role, playing alongside Johnny Housen, I can definitely see why Carrick shifted him over there. Obviously, we don't really have another option there, do we? Because McGree's injured and, and Ramsey's injured as well. But to put him there, I think is he suits it. He seems to really suit it. And I know that, yes, it's it's not a an out-and-out winger role, but it never has been. And it's good that we have players like Hackney that are comfortable in tight spaces, comfortable in the half space. And I thought he was really good. You know, there was some really good, uh, neat link-up play between him and Marcus Force at the very beginning of the game, which made me think that we'd started it well. And then it sort of descended into a bit of a lull for us and then became incredibly flat. But 
I thought, you know, Hayden Hackney is, is definitely, he seems to have improved going there because there was a, a conversation sort of simmering under on Borough Twitter and the Borough Sphere that Hayden Hackney had dropped below his levels. So this has sort of picked him up a little bit. And again, Carrick just, uh, you know, I know it was enforced, but making a good decision and Hackney's been fantastic there, I think, the past two games. Yeah, and I would fully agree as well. And when it happened uh, against Norwich, and he, he played in uh, in that left that left hand side role, I was like, hmm, that's that's a bit odd. You know, you've got Isaiah Jones on on the bench. You've also got Crooks there. You could maybe switch, uh, like maybe shift Cameron Archer over on that left hand side if you wanted to. And I was pleasantly surprised uh, seeing him there. And, you know, what does he give you? He gives you a really good shape out of possession. You know, he's good on the ball. He finds the right spaces. He knows the right pass. He can slow it down a little bit, um, but that's fine. Because if, if you slow it down but making the right choice, then that's probably better than making the wrong choice and doing it very fast. Um, so <laughs> I think it's, it, yeah, really good. Impressive scoring two and two. Um, and something you didn't probably associate with Hayden Hackney. But moving that role, it creates opportunities for you elsewhere um but obviously with that then you know we've got now got some more injuries to talk about for smith adding to that list of fry mcgree ramsey um who i think carrick did say they're definitely out for monday's game as well so is it are you concerned with the injuries that we're seeing or do you think it's like a positive thing because you're given opportunity elsewhere I think it's a bit of both, to be honest. It's a concern because they are mounting and they're mounting to really important players. God forbid Tuba gets injured because um, I guess a bit of a question to the listeners, really, like who can fill that role? Because it's very specific and he is playing it incredibly well. You take Tuba out the team, we're going to take a hit in terms of our attacking output. Whether that will make a difference, I really don't know because we do seem to just click anyway, but Tuba's fantastic anyway fingers crossed you know he doesn't get injured but it's an opportunity for players isn't it and and Carrick has always said that it's a squad game and you see Dyke Steele and and Jones come into the team and more as well they have performed really well and what we've seen from them so far they've got a point to prove it's a massive incentive going into the you know really high pressure games in in the playoffs because again you know we're, we're confirmed for the playoffs it's a good incentive there for them to really prove a point and I'm happy to see them back. I'm happy to see this squad being used because, you know, we've been rather fortunate that we've hurdled over some injuries and that we've had a couple, but they've come back, i.e. Daryl Lenahan when he just magically, the magic on him and then he just reappeared. But it's it's a concern. I, I can't get over that. You know, it's a concern. It's not ideal, but it's good that we've got strength in depth, which is something that we ourselves spoke on this podcast was a bit of a concern earlier this season. The lack of... Mm supposed strength in depth and just depth in general so in the end I guess you can say that the recruitment big tick in the box there yeah absolutely you know it looks like there's there's two players for every role but then also I think what you're saying there Dan around the opportunities that have arisen uh following the inju- like following the injuries has been posit- promising hasn't it like Dyke Steele was great Jones was great I like to see Dan Balassa if he gets the opportunity because he always looks very smooth when he when he comes on and you know there's opportunities elsewhere which could hopefully you know lead to, to more success on the pitch um but let's move on and let's let's chat about 
the game in general because we had to come from 1-0 down uh, to to win. And we could have won 7-1 probably by the end of it mm. because we created that many chances. Uh, but how would you assess things, Dana? Because it seemed like a, a tale of two halves. Uh, a game of two halves is very football cliche. So I'm going to say <laughs> a tale of two halves. Uh, so what do you think? What was your assessment on that? Yeah, it really was, wasn't it? I mean, as I said, I thought we started relatively okay and, and it got me thinking that we were going to score fairly soon. Just with the territory that we were having, we were working it inside the box in really tight spaces, actually. Usually Borough start their moves outside of the box and then venture in. We were sort of playing it inside the box in really risky areas in terms of the likelihood of losing the ball. But after that, I think Hull seize control of the game and in fairness to them they did look really well coached to be honest in terms of retaining possession of the ball building it up through the thirds and gaining enough possession for their back line to move forward and you could see them sort of creeping up a lot of the time there were a good few combinations from them that there was a shot from uh, Pelkas a little one two and, and his shot just sort of passed it wide it was a pathetic effort to be honest it was really tame um but yeah you can't you can't say they didn't deserve their their goal it, it was a bit of a flat performance in the first half from borough but then as we've seen many times this season our the habit that we've got of scoring goals in quick succession is i don't think i've seen that from a championship team uh, i don't think mm. i've ever seen that from a championship team granted i'm not a staunch uh championship watcher like gab sutton is for example but i think that i can't Recall the team doing that. So yeah, we, we we absolutely love these pockets of beautiful chaos, don't we? We we seem to perform really well in them, and there's some fantastic. Well, the pick of the goals. I, I was wondering whether Atpoms was as good as as Arches, but I I don't know. They were both two very good goals. There, obviously Hackney's was deflected, but the build up for the for the Archer one, Zach Stefan, long ball. Um, Archer doing what Archer does best, out muscling and outpacing a centre half, and then just slotting it through Carl Dowell's legs like the clinical finisher that he is. And then Tubers to take that on the swivel, hit it back where it came from, and nestle so perfectly, so satisfyingly in the corner of the net, into the corner of the net was really, really good. So, yeah, the the second half, uh, again, like many times this season, I just turned to my dad and, think, and I thought, <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> like, what is actually going on? But it's absolutely brilliant. As I said, beautiful chaos. Mm, it is. Moments of Madness uh, is probably mm. the, the title of Middlesbrough. You know, we can do it for and we can do it against. Uh, we just, we're just mm. absolutely chaotic at times. And that's what you want, though, sometimes. You just want moments of madness which create can create something out of nothing in terms of atmosphere or it can do on the pitch in terms of confidence. But it always felt in that game where... I think in the first half, it was a case of we weren't at it in terms of tempo. I thought I think it was definitely a game of, of tempo, in, in my in my opinion. When we are flat, like roller caller flat. Um, roller caller? Roller caller flat, Dana. It is council estate cork, and that is what we're going to talk about. <laughs> um, so on Went this, over my head. Yeah, I mean, Royal Cole, you know, you've got to, got to know all these things. Uh, but anyway, it was flat, and it just needed a bit of fizz in the, in the game, a bit, a mm. bit of bubbles, you know what I mean? You just wanted a bit of sugar. You, want, you wanted to get off your seat. You wanted to see a bit of zip and a bit of tempo on how Borough were playing. And, you know, credit to Hull, I thought they nullified us quite well, but also 
I think a lot of our problems came from our own uh, down, like our own performance. Although we were playing a bit too safe, a bit a bit horseshoey to some extent, where mm. we were playing around the back line, going to different areas, weren't willing to maybe switch the player, and we have done previously. And I think rightfully so. Carrick went in on them at, at half time, and we resolved a lot of the the issues that we had. But I thought it was a very interesting game uh, on on Wednesday night, and. I've got, I looked at the playing styles and I think when you when you're understanding teams and what I personally do is look at goal kicks because I try to understand what a team is trying to do and how they're trying to, to attack a team. I know when we were looking at Hull, um, they were trying to play in probably moments, really. I, I don't think they were there to try and cut us up and, and have mass possession of the ball. They were looking at key moments to try and implement the play and score from a set piece. And they did so, but... On their goal, I want to look at goal kicks because I want to look at holes and I want to look at boroughs and how each setup can really affect the game in, in different ways. Um, so looking at hull first, and I thought it was really interesting because as you could see the, in, in the game, that the centre-half um, would take the goal kick and would pass it to the goalkeeper, which is which in a nutshell would invite a press uh, from Cameron Archer and he would try and create like a, a darting run to try and cut the supply off and try and force the ball out wide. And this is what exactly what Bora wanted because they wanted to win it in a quadrant around the left-hand side or the right-hand side of the pitch where it's like the final third. And what you wanted to do in that moment is try and pinch off either the full-back or the centre midfielder, press them well, and that turns over into a really good uh, scoring opportunity. Whereas if you're Hull, your aim is for this. Um, when you are trying to play it through with your centre-backs, if the goalkeeper's playing it to the centre-back or your goalkeeper's trying to uh, like lift it over the over the defence into key pockets or over Lenahan and over McNair if they want to. But your aim is from your centre-half centre half to bring the ball forward, play into your centre-forward, uh, Vedant Traore, with Seri trying to maybe play a through ball for Thorne and get in behind Borough and try and play behind the defence. But let's look at Borough and how Hull set up because Hull was very interesting because the first time I've seen a team do this to us actually um, from when we've looked at in, uh, in the past anyway from when we've been looking at Borough and goal kicks you know Borough like to play out from the back in terms of they like to create a transition period um, which is very interesting so you give the ball to McNair or you give the ball to Lenahan that creates a press that creates space for for Howison to play to Tommy Smith, then to either Akpom, and then we've created a, like a false transition. And I say transition, right? And now a transition is when you kind of recover the ball off an opposition and then you, you get them on the counter-attack, right? But it's a fake transition, really, because you invite the press, you played through them, so then they're running back, so it looks like a transition. It feels like a transition, but it's not a transition. Um <laughs> So what Hull do to try and completely nullify Borough's uh, attacking threat on this, where they're trying to get the ball out wide, and that's Borough's aim to try and get the ball out wide, create an overload, and get him behind. Um, but they thought, you know what, we're going to sit a little bit different. We're going to play a 4-3-3, and then we're going to sit off you. So your centre-back's going to have the ball. We're going to stop the outlet to, to Smith and Giles, and we're going to try and force you along. Now, this is a really good thing for Borough because when you've got Zach Steffen in goal, this works very well because what you're able to do is with his distribution is probably play the ball over the top um, and try and manipulate the centre-halves to create a big space between them so you get the ball over the top. And this is exactly what Borough do uh, for one of the goals. So what happens is uh, when we've got, I've got the visual of it, they're in a 4-3-3. 
they don't press the center, the, the, the goalkeeper, they don't press the center halves. And then what happens is Akpom, he pull he comes in ever so slightly, and he put what he does is he pulls Greaves in. And so that creates such a big space for Archer to run into. And obviously Archer, with his wisdom and strength, which we didn't think he'd have, uh, plays off the defender and then gets the goal. But Borough do that a couple of times in the game, and that's how we're able to break their press and be very successful in it. So it was very interesting uh, to watch, but Borough were very good. Um, but it shows, having a great goalkeeper with good distribution creates mm. different outlets and also gives you different opportunities to play and break teams down. So that was my analysis of the game, which I thought was very interesting. It's very boring. Very good. Very, no, I enjoyed you. that. And I enjoyed um, more in the middle as well. More in the middle mm. was was of particular note. And, and the rest, of course, but more in the middle. <laughs> Just made me laugh. Yeah, yeah so it, it's interesting because when Mort's in the middle, like, he, he was playing. I was playing on the press, though, wasn't he? He was like playing on mm. the press, or whatever side. Um, that center center half got the ball. The goalkeeper got the ball. He would always follow that side. So then you're able to to pick a side to, to go from. Um, and you see a lot of teams do that now with a goalkeeper because it kind of nullifies the everyone goes to that side, everyone goes to that side. So interesting stuff. Um, but yeah, really good stuff. It's quite boring that goal kicks are my favorite part of football at the moment. But <laughs> They tell you a lot. Um, they do. So if, if you're ever interested, look at a goal kick. Um, well, apart from that, Dan, what do you think the key factors were then um, around Borough's comeback? Because a lot happens. You know, there's some of the some aspects of like the long ball from from Stefan, but there was there was a few key moments that happened and it went in Borough's favour, right? Yeah, I think the the biggest key moment of the game was the substitution to bring on Isaiah Jones because I think we stretched them and we hit them where it hurt, which was in behind. Uh, because when you have players with pace, it can be devastating. And I, I noticed in the game, if you watch the goals back, you can see that as Hull are basically magnetised to Tube Ratpom. Wherever he goes, they'll basically... They, they probably were a little bit naive in overcommitting. And in the case of the um, Hackney goal and then the Akpom goal, they're just overcommitting on him and they're making so much space become available out wide for Jones to run into. And again, as I said, it was incredibly naive because it was almost as if they forgot Jones was on the pitch. He absolutely burned their left back and uh, Callum Elder, I think it was. And it was just that overcommitting on Akpom. Obviously, he is our main man and mm-hmm. there's no denying that. But it's just that's that like sort of decision to essentially tuck in a lot of the time, which was what they were doing. Whenever Akpom made that run central, they were narrowing a bit and then leaving that space in behind. And I think that mm-hmm. substitution of Jones was really, really important. And Dyke Steele as well. I think them two, we saw a little bit of deja vu from last season. That link up, he just needed crooks, didn't it, on that right-hand side. Mm-hmm. Then we had that little that, yeah. I- iconic triangle. But them two together, the combination pl- combination player, the awareness of each other's positions, spatially um, knowing when to sort of release, when to, to hang back, when to overlap. It was just really good. So I think that was the pivotal part of the game and it changed it. You know, you can't deny that Jones was the main man in that second half because he created five chances um, playing 48 minutes of that game and no player in the league created more than that in that game week. So, it, yeah, it, it's maybe a little bit easier for me to say it was down to Jones, but I think it largely was um, because 
we were playing it in behind rather than probably playing it in front of them as we were tending to do it more often in the first half. So, yeah, that was a big, big, important part of the game, that substitution to bring on Jones and to bring on Dyke Steele as well. Yeah, it was really good to see Big Anth back, right? Really good. It was, um, yeah. yeah I, it was. I, was, I was very happy, but I'll come to him in just a moment. But you were mentioning there around the five big chances, his two assists, he got man of the match on Sky, and he looked rejuvenated. He looked he looked back to his sensational best, uh, which we haven't seen for a hot minute, really, being always being out. Mm. Uh, you know, obviously became became a parent for the first time, and then also, you know, he's got all the baggage that comes with that, which must be difficult for anyone. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and also like coming out, you know, you see someone taking his position, forced. You got, got Ramsey coming and building, they're scoring goals. It's difficult to get in, in one minute. Yeah. Cock the walk. Next minute, yeah, you're nothing. Um, and <laughs> football. That's football. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, that's football, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, I know. Love it. I feel, there was, you, were saying, you sent me a voice note earlier, didn't you, around uh, Carrick, and it looked like he was trying to stop himself from saying it. Yeah, he said it within cold. the first two minutes, I think, which was just excellent. Really, really good. Loved it. it it's the content we live for. That's football. Uh, so what What do you think, uh, got him back to his sensational best end, do you think just time out? has just helped massively to, to get him back to where he is? I don't know. I, I just think confidence. Um, as soon as he made that first play in the game, and I think Jones made good decisions in that game. I think in terms of his cross selection, I think they were <clears throat> they were good crosses um, on the whole. And I think once you have that, you just grow in confidence. You could see the confidence just oozing out of him at the end. And maybe, you just, yeah, maybe he has just needed time. He alluded to on Instagram that he's been going through a little bit of a sticky spell, sticky spell um, off the off the pitch with his family. Um, so there's potentially that as well. It, it's that good old um, sort of nugget of, of we don't know what a player is going through um, off the pitch no lease on it as well so it's I think he's just needed time and he's just needed confidence and hopefully this is you know he's planted that that um flag in the sand now of you know this is me I'm back and he can be a really good player for the rest of the season and going into the playoffs because when you've got um Isaiah Jones even half of the Isaiah Jones from last season then that's a very very good prospect there for us and it's a very good option for us to have yeah it absolutely is and I just want to touch Back on what you're saying there on confidence, how massive is it in, in football? Mm-hmm. You know, there was there was a game I was watching midweek. Um, it was actually Chelsea Madrid, um, and I'm going to give Frank Lampard some praise here, which is never comes out of my mouth. Um, but he actually what? set up Chelsea quite well. Um, but I mean, Real Madrid don't really set up amazingly well. But they're just there's two things that are re- well, one big thing in football, well, not two, quality of players <laughs> and also confidence, right? <laughs> But yeah. confidence is massive. It's huge in any walk of life. If you are confident, you feel that like you can walk through walls, walk on water, and do whatever, right? Helps with execution, helps with, you know, game management, making right decisions, and just your overall game is just so much better. And it, it's so like underrated, I think, in football. You see teams down at the bottom where they can't win a game, and then you see the teams at the top who just feel invincible, and sometimes there's just that 1% difference, but confidence just pays pays dividends in it, and you could definitely see it in Jones. When everyone was singing his name, he kind of mm-hmm. felt like he was feeding off it, and you could feel that 
he had his module back a little bit and he was getting at his defender and you didn't really see that probably the start of the season and maybe the back end of, of Chris Wilder's uh, reign as well, which probably will coincide with everything that's been going on uh, in his life. But confidence, just so key. And you could say the same with Dyke Steele as well because he looked like he was itching to get on the field um, in the second half and get to be held back to be subbed on where, where it looked like <laughs> anyway. Um, but he said, Carrick even said in, in the post-match that he may have a dislike for, or Carrick may, like, Dyke may have a dislike for Carrick because he's been on the squad, which I don't see the case at all. Um, but how happy we see Big Anthony back because I was delighted. The love affair continues, you know, like, I was very happy to see Anthony Dyke Steele. And you know what, Dan, while we're on Dyke Steele, I'm just going <laughs> to... Oh, here we go. Here we go. The Dyke Steele <laughs> son. It just makes me happy in every single way. Um, but yeah, Johnny's happy on, place. Uh, Johnny's happy place with Anthony Dyke Steele as the son, which was like on Channel 5. Remember that? Like, like yeah. Teletubbies. Remember that? It might be Teletubbies. Yeah, it was on Channel Yeah, it was the, 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 the Teletubbies, yeah. the baby yeah, son, the it? baby and the son, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> we talk absolute <laughs> nonsense, sorry. Um, but yeah, like Big Anth, um, it was like just a throwback, wasn't it? It was great. He was great at right back on on a Wednesday, night, wasn't he? Yeah, again, you know, another player that was making good decisions in the game, and you could tell that once you sort of get that that first touch of the ball again, because bear in mind he's been out for a long time. I think he was injured. Mm. The, I think he's played for Suriname, and that was it in terms of um, match involvement. I think he did come. He was stripped and ready to come on in one of the previous games, and then just didn't. Because um, I remember on our Telegram chat, I was like, "Oh, I'm pretty tight still," and then like, he just didn't come on. It was like, oh, <laughs> it was like that Roy Hodgson meme where he's like. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's, he's waiting for England to score and then, I don't know, Raheem Sterling balloons it over into, I don't even know, Malta or somewhere. But it was just good to, it was good to see him, it was, because, you know, Dyke Steele, and, and I said this on BBC Tees as well, Dyke Steele and Moore and Jones, they're not bad players. They've just had seasons that are below what we've seen of them before. Obviously, in the case of Moore, we haven't seen him in a Moore shirt before this season, but going off his time at Leeds, his time at Barnes, his time at even partly, I guess, at West Brom, it doesn't make them bad players. You know, poor runs, poor form does not make a player poor. And we saw that Dykesdale and Jones were good players last season. They don't just lose that. You know, it doesn't just mean that their ability is, is completely just evaporated and they're just simply not a footballer anymore. As you will say yourself, Johnny, you know, as you've said, it's sort of outside football context growth is is linear um or isn't linear sorry you know it, it's it's very much a bit of a cartoon drawing sometimes isn't it where it's up and down and you know you never have a straight line so it's yeah it was good to see him back and hopefully again it's another option for for the running and for the playoffs as well because them two together uh Jones and Dykesteel changed the game um on Wednesday night they, they really did they really did and just want to say you said options there and the options were sponsored by Don um, and <laughs> just <laughs> with, with, with us as well like when, I, when we seen Dyke Steele it was it was nice to, to see him on that right hand side because I remember when he first came to the club and he seemed a bit shaky on that on as a right back but you could just see the growth that he's had as a player playing probably right centre half and then covering Jones for for long periods and then now playing on the right 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 hand side it was just really good and you know seeing him pick up the ball from right back then run halfway through half the pitch and create an opportunity like a gazelle yes like isn't a gazelle. he lovely he is. silky yeah. little gazelle he just 
everything you want from a right back, Anthony Dagsioni. Um <laughs> But like, I'd like to see more of him, hopefully, towards the end of the season. You know, he's he's a quality player. Um, I do really like him, and you know, it shows that he has the quality um to to be good. And it shows as well, like a manager as well. If you're out of the squad, you're coming back in, and they're still motivated. They still want to make a point. Then they want to make a difference on the pitch. It's good management, and you don't always see that with clubs. You know, you can see players throw their toys up the pram. And it's difficult. You see at Chelsea where there's like 30 players, like 30 mm. first team players who can't get a game. And every time they play, they don't want to. So creating like an environment to have that is really, really good. Um, but do you want to talk about Cameron Archer? Because he is... I'd love to. Fire <laughs> at the minute, isn't he? Um, so like looking at his, his stats at the minute, um, I posted a tweet the other day that he's currently tracking at 0.69 goals per 90. Um, so if he was to continue at that rate, he would have ended on 31 goals this season, um, which is very impressive because he's scoring goals for fun. Um, but also 15 goals in 17 games of performance XG by four, one goal in every 3.7 shots and all the data you can't even track. So he's very <laughs> impressive, isn't he, Dynamo? Yeah, honestly, he's brilliant. I have not seen a lot of good finishes of Borough, granted, but he is just so, so clinical. And as I said in the last pod, it's just that blend of pace and strength and just clinical finishing. I mean, when he took that ball from Zach Steffen's um, pass, I should have trusted him more because it's Cameron Archer, but I suppose the Borough fan in me, seeing all of these Borough players, literally Ashley Fletcher at Huddersfield away a few seasons ago, just <laughs> hoiking it over the, the crossbar from about a yard out. Like that plays on your mind, doesn't it? And it comes into play sometimes, whether you want it to or not. And when he when he was in that, it was a somewhat tight angle, wasn't it? He just, his shot selection is fantastic. He's so intelligent in assessing, because you've got to think, you know, the, the game is played so quickly and, and you don't have hours to decide on what you're going to do those split second decisions that Cameron Archer does to know exactly what he's going to do based on the position that he's in is absolutely fantastic and one thing I will say about him as well data brought him to Borough because um, Kieran Scott mentioned in one of the Millsborough supporters forum meetings that was in that they looked at our XG I don't know whether this was XG per 90 or just XG in general from this season and they thought you know, Burnley were after him, a lot of teams were after him, that this was the best place for him based on chance creation and allowing Cameron Archer to be in those spaces on a football match or football pitch to score goals. And that was corroborated by uh, Greg Evans in, in The Athletic as well. They basically said the same thing, that the, the analyst, the data analyst at Villa, Ian marked Middlesbrough as a team to, to take Cameron Archer the best place team for him the fact that he's a goal off double figures despite having only joined the team in January is incredible mm. <laughs> it's actually incredible yeah. I don't know how many championship players have have managed that because I can't imagine it would have been a regular thing so honestly I've said it before just so good and and yeah Borough fans cherish him because he, w- he won't be back here he will play he will be playing for Villa next season and he absolutely deserves it no, he doesn't. He's crap. Um, you can't watch it. Look, look Aston Villa. Um, he's he's crap. You may as well just sell was for free. To be honest. <laughs> you, you know, you're going to be in the Europa League anyway. You're not going to play him. So mm. we may as well have him. So, um, but yeah, like look at his record's <laughs> incredible, though, isn't it? It's absolutely yeah. insane. I think to like if he was to track 
obviously they're tracking to be on 31 goals for her entire season. And obviously Akpom's on 39, which is nuts if he was to play 46 games. Um, I've never seen anything like it. Um, but of course, that is like a, a track over a long period of time. That will not happen. It will obviously decline. Um, mm. But to average at that number is insane. The numbers he's bringing to the table already is insane. And is he... Could ask, ask, ask the question, could he be one of the most effective loans we've had in recent history? Um, mm. Because yes, you, because you think November, December time, we seem we just crooks up top and it just seems like we've just had the right piece to the puzzle. And it gives me Gaston Ramirez vibes when we need that quality. But what he's doing right now is is incredibly good. It's nine goals and six assists. Um, so you know, his it, his goal contribution is fantastic, and just such a such a good player. It's honestly, such a good player. You know what we could do, actually, Dana. We could look actually look at um, the comparisons for Gaston Ramirez and Cameron Archer, right? And then look at the goal contributions uh, for that period of time, uh, because I'd be very keen to see like how effective both players were in terms of chances created and then obviously goals scored as well. And I feel like Archer might come on top on that. So he could be one of the most effective loan signings in recent history, but who knows? Maybe I'm overplaying it, but I feel like he is probably good enough to kind of, you know, be probably one of the most effective players yeah. that we, we've had. I don't think you're overselling it there, to be honest. I think both of those players were the final piece of the jigsaw that were needed at that at the very time that, that they were brought in. As you said, you know, Crooks was up top uh, before he came in. And can like, as much as I love Crooks, can you imagine us sticking with him up front? Obviously, granted, there's Marcus Force there that also played in that number nine role, but predominantly this season we've seen him out wide. Archer was everything that Borough were needing and mm. just supplementing what we already had, which was already good with this extra option. And in every forum that I've lurked in uh, on an you know, uh, opposition persuasion, they've all said how clinical we are. And that's just music to my ears as a Borough fan because mm. to have Archer, to have Force, to have Atpom, to have McGree, to have Crooks, to have Ramsey, to have these finishes in this team is insane. Yeah, it is. It it really is. Um, you know, top goal scorers in the championship. Who would have thought we would ever say that? Um, but we <laughs> are saying it and we're so effective. But I was gonna move on to the praise and players, Dana, but we have be, we have praised three players there in, in Archer, Dykesteel, Jones. I know the praise and place is the is the place we like to give praise to anyone. Um but what are you gonna go with this week? Because there's some strong contenders for the praise and place. You know what? I actually want to praise Alex Moore. I will say. I was asked by Ado on BBC Tees after the game who my man of the match was. I panicked. And I said Alex Moore, despite Jones literally being right there. We were talking about him like two minutes prior. Um, so, yeah, I, I retract that. I don't think Moore was man of the match. But I just want to <laughs> praise Moore because he's come in and a lot of people have you know, raised eyebrows about him and thought, well, why is he you know, coming on? Why is he having a part to play? You know, we, he's just been a bit of a flop signing. Um, we're even sort of discussing his future in the podcast around January I understand now that he's played for two clubs, so he can't play for a third or couldn't back in January, so that was redundant anyway. But 
he's just been really good in in slotting in and it's just that seamless introduction or reintroduction to this team so hats off to to Alex Mort for that and I also want to put in the praise in place the chips and curry that I had at the game on Wednesday night because as you'll know Johnny the Mackham's gone the Mackham has gone gone. on the leeway um opposite the 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 navy the train crossing for the navy (laughs) he's gone he's absolutely just upped and left the, the the van that's there now, I can't remember the name, so I apologise. Something grill, I think. But, oh, my God, those chips and curry were insane. They were really, really nice. A smaller box, but that suits me. So, footy mm. scran, get on that. Chips and curry are in the prison place. First time I've had them for a while. So, yeah, yeah I really enjoyed it. I've, I've missed my curry and chips. Yeah, I've, I've missed having, like, my uh, my pretty much meal as well. Um and I, I, I don't know. I was I wasn't tempted to to go back to be honest. But you you might have swayed me to to give it a try. You know, and I think it's it, it means a lot. Football scrum. It's part mm. of the match day routine. Um, but now that you've had a, a good chips and curry experience, I was uh, I'll you know I'll, I'll have to give it a whirl. Mm. But I was wondering why I seen a thought of chips and gravy in, in the notes, <laughs> and I thought, yeah, I, I almost forgot about it. Can't lie. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what I mean. I was, I was like, why, why are they there? So there must have been a good time to be implementing the podcast, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, oh God, I'm, you've stumped me. I feel like I don't know, I don't know what to do now. I'm after Coventry, it is, I guess Coventry for uh, <laughs> to try some chips and gravy and see how it goes. It can't be bad, right? Surely not. Um, but I think the person gets my uh, praise in the praise in place. <laughs> um, I th- I think it has to go to Akpom, and I know, like we've we spoke about everyone uh, on this podcast today, but to you know, nine goals in a row at home, mm. unheard of, right? Unheard of. Championship uh, record, yeah. Brilliant. Championship record. He just keeps breaking records, doesn't he? And he deserves to to be in the present place. And I feel like we've kind of like maybe skipped past him over the last few weeks because we, you know, he's he's just naturally been the person that everyone wants to choose, but. For me, Akpom, I think he deserves the the recognition this week, and I hope he, he goes on to score thirty goals for the season because that'd be pretty cool, right? You know, you waited so long yeah. for someone to score twenty, and we get a thirty in a season, so <laughs> it's just insane. It, football works in mysterious ways, um, but it's great to to see. Um, but let's move on to podcast questions because every week you get the chance to send us your questions via email at breakdown at hotmail or Twitter Borough underscore breakdown, or by joining our Telegram chat with over 300 Borough fans chatting everything but Borough, and uh, it is absolutely free to join us. But also, as a, before I go into the questions, just want to give you a little push to our Patreon as well. And if you hear ads like I do, um, you can get ad-free um, pods of this podcast uh, for £1.99 a month. Um, you get exclusive content on there, which we are working on. Uh, but ad-free stuff, who doesn't like ad-free stuff? Um, but if you like ads, then you like ads that's pretty cool um <laughs> the first question uh, it's from jake uh jake johnson and he does a youtube channel as well so if you haven't seen that do give it a watch uh, and he says uh who would you guys want in the playoffs uh Danimal, who would you like in the playoffs i could tell you who i don't want <laughs> millwall because you i think they're quite a... interesting 
No, no, they're a very stodgy defensive unit. They've only conceded one goal uh, per game on average this season. They're one of the best uh, defences in the championship. And plus, no team has got more from set pieces than them. And I just don't trust Borough to defend set pieces. I don't really trust Borough to defend anyway, but from set pieces, I just, I don't know. There's something a bit, a little bit sus um, about us. Mm-hmm. I don't want West Brom because of Carlos Corbrand. If any manager is going to divert away from the usual game plan to combat a team in a high pressure situation it's him don't want West Brom I want Blackburn I want Blackburn because and disclaimer here I know that we have statistically the worst defense in the league so pot call the kettle black here but they are the next worst (laughs) then the next worst um, yeah defense in the top six Um, we obviously can't play ourselves so yeah they've conceded 48 goals this season so slightly um, down on the rest of the top six and they've also scored the least goals in the top six with uh, 46 goals scored. And in terms of stylistically, we need a team that are a little bit suspect um, on the, the, the transition um, and from counter-attacks. And I just think that out of all the teams, if I was a betting person, I would not trust Blackburn. Um, so mm. I think... Going to Ewood Park, I know previously it's been terrible, especially for us last season. We won't talk about that again. But I would trust us. I would trust us going to Ewood Park far more than I would trust us going to Kenilworth Road or to the Den. But I will say, for any against any team, it's going to be tough. But against any team, I'm going to back Borough a little bit more than I have done previously so yeah we we could compete with these teams we can but it's always going to be difficult um in the playoffs because it's again as I've said high pressure situations yeah playing football to go to Wembley to get into the Premier League that's huge but yeah I think out of all of them I'd probably say Blackburn yeah um as I said the team I definitely don't want um is West Brom I, I, I couldn't think of anything worse than playing a Carlos Carver on the sides at all. Um, I couldn't. I know Daryl Dyke's injured now, and he, he was the one that scored the two um, in our defeat, but I, I can't. He's got a number. He's just got an answer for everything. And, yeah. he, and for me, he is probably the best manager in the league because I feel, and hear me out on this one, I feel like he can go to every single club in the championship and make them better. And I don't think any manager mm. can say that, um, which is like very good compliment. But Carrick is amazing and so is Vince Company. But like, if you were like on the bare bones and Carlos Carbon was free, you pick Carlos every time. Um, so I'm worried about him um, in, in West Brom, but who do I want? I was going to say I do want Mill- Millwall because... Mm. Uh, be, be, hear me out because they can't score and break down teams like below them. They really struggle to do it. And I think that we have enough quality there to, to get past them offensively. You know, we create plenty of opportunities. Um, it's very difficult to contain us. But also, I think if we just... And you were saying there around transitions, well earlier i was mentioning about we create our own transitions um so it's it it, it could be anything I, I just think we're a little bit better than Millwall. i think we'll get past them and then if we were in the final just anyone but sunland i think anyone anyone but sunland yeah, but, yeah, I couldn't, this is I, this is interesting I, I, with sunland though because like obviously everyone would collectively shit themselves coming up against sunland just because it's like a, a derby or they they won't say it Unless they win, it's not, it's not Derby. It's 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 not that type of thing. It's it's Tony Mowbray. He watches mm, every yeah. single Borough game, and if he, you know what I mean, he's like an, he's like his own analyst. 
for like Middlesbrough. Yeah. He knows the club inside out. Knows exactly how a team's going to play, and it annoys me. He does so well against us, and much of a legend he is. And if he wanted to cement his legacy as a Borough, a Borough legend, and you know what I'm going to say, let us win. <laughs> you have to let us win, Tony. You know yeah. what I mean? You've got to let us win. If you if you go to Wembley and you beat us at Wembley with Sunderland, you're dead to me. So the, um... the only thing with them is is why I take out. And I know you can't take this out, but take out the matchup between the two sides and the fact that it's yeah coming up against Tony Mowbray and also coming mm. up against your northeast rival. They've got injuries to hell. Danny Bart is out for the rest of the season mm. now. They've got so many injury issues that that is a key vulnerability that you can pick at in terms of team selection. Now, Ahmad Diallo isn't injured yet, so there's always that. But I don't know, You, we might not have to play Sunderland. The race for that sixth place is going to be really interesting. We haven't even mentioned commentary yet, to be honest, uh, with Jokerez. Mm. Um, to be honest, I don't really want to play yeah. them either. So I think they're a very good team in terms of counter-attacking other teams are probably defending counter-attacks as well. Um, I really like Gus Harmer in midfield. I think he's that little ratty midfielder that we're probably missing. Um, well, I don't think we're missing, but we don't have that sort of profile which is it's suited us fine without, but going forward, maybe somebody that we can look at, um, depending on what league we're in next season. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm just hoping that we can give a better account of ourselves than the last time that we were in the playoffs because we, you just started this podcast when we played Aston Villa. It was quite possibly the most pathetic managerial performance that I have seen over the course of 180 minutes. The fact that Fabio was our most attacking outlet in the, both of those games was embarrassing, to be honest. It was, mm. it was actually pathetic watching us in that game. Did we have a shot on target? I don't think we did, did we? It was embarrassing. No, we didn't. Yeah, and we had like Bamford, Traore, um, Braithwaite was there, right? It was Braithwaite still there? I don't think he was. No. Um, but our, our team was still very stacked and yeah, less said the better about that. Um, less said the better about that, but we'll move on. We digress. Um, and the final question, and it's a bit of a joint one because we, we got it a lot uh, in, in the comments this week, um, is around Smith and Force being injured and who we'd like to see replace them. Um, Boroboy63 and Josh the both asked us the question of uh, if Smoss, if Smoss, if Smith and Smoss, like Marcus, like Smith, they could be a Smith at this point. Uh, if Smith and Foss are fit for the remainder of the season, honestly, my dyslexia is just funny. Um, if Smith and Foss are fit for the remainder of the season, would you go with the we'll go with them or Jones and Dyke Steele or is Dyke Steele a better option than Tommy Smith at right back? Um, very emotional comments, really, given that Smith's played so well for ages. Mm. But are they better? Who knows? Um, I'm going to ask you the question, Dana. Uh, one, who would you like to see play the right back and right mid role? And two, is Dyke Steele better than Tommy Smith? No, I want to pick up on a point you just made there, that. Yes, like Still and Jones were good in those 45 minutes that they played, but I don't think we should use that as a way to, <clears throat> I don't think anyone's trying to do this, but, you know, discredit um, Smith because on the whole he's been solid. Since his contract extension, and this is merely a coincidence, I think, I don't feel like he's been as good as, as before. Um, interesting little thing that with contracts because I always feel like that happens you know a player will play really really well 
then they'll get a contract extension and then they'll dip in, in performance. Maybe that's just going to happen anyway and, and that whole contract thing is a coincidence. But anyway, I'm rambling. No, I would, I, I would right. like to see... Oh, thank you. <laughs> I would like to see Dyke Steel moving forward um, because I think in terms of what you mentioned earlier, the fact that he's played right back, the fact that he's played right centre-half, that really comes into play in that position. There's a lot of tactical and positional fluidity in our team, not just in the attacking third, but defensively as well. A lot of the time when you see, you'll see Tommy Smith overlap, but also you'll see him tuck in as one of the third centre-halves when we are building it out. Um, so I think Dyke Steele could really fit there. The other thing is, though, that probably works against Iceel is I think Tommy Smith is just that little bit better in terms of crossing. Though I will say we haven't really seen too much of Iceel crossing because it's usually Jones that does that, you know, from the Wilder ball. Um, but yeah, if if Smith and uh, and Force are fit for the remainder of the season, I would go with Smith and, and Force. But you you can't discount two very good options there in Jones and Dyke Steel. So perhaps it, it in the case of Force or Jones, perhaps it depends on the opposition and how much space they will allow us out wide, what their defensive shape is going to be when Akpom, for example, pulls into those central or, or comes out into those deep areas. Maybe it just depends. But for me, I like to see Dyke Steel moving forward, maybe not now, but definitely um, in, in the midterm if he's still here. Um, and... But yeah, I'd probably if they're fit, I'd stick with Smith and Force for right now. Yeah, uh, I would agree with you. Uh, I think Dyke Steel is great, and also Marcus Force is my favorite Borough player. So um, there you go. I'm obviously going to pick my favorite, Anna. Um, but <laughs> it is what it is. You have your favorite. Don't don't be resting on favorite players. You know, I got blocked about. Well, so many times last season for defending Tavernier, even though he wasn't even my favourite player. But, you know, be careful we, what you do there, Johnny. We really came full circle on this podcast as well with, like, that Tavernier <laughs> stuff last year as well. Like, we did, we did. You know, weren't a fan and became a fan. Gas mark. <laughs> yeah. And now look at Tav thrive for Bournemouth. He's actually got the most mm. goal contributions up for Bournemouth this season. And he's playing very, very well. And I'm not surprised either. Um, but, yeah, I love Marcus Foss. So I'm going to put him there regardless. So what he's going to do, what Um And then <laughs> Dyke Steele is again, because I had love that he still so unfortunately Jones and, and Smith you I don't care what you've done <laughs> you're not getting in <laughs> I've, got my, I've got my favorites like uh, Michael Carrick has his favorites um <laughs> but anyway uh no one's here for my opinion but let's move on to Luton then because they've leapfrogged us into third and have been playing very very well this season uh under Edwards and you know, he could have been at Borough, but, but then we turned and changed our minds and went with Michael Carrick. Um, but Dan, how are you feeling? Because Luton have just done amazingly well, but they have done for like the last few seasons, like they're mm. the worst kept secret in the championship, right? Yeah, I hate this whole cliche sort of opinion of Luton that like, oh, why isn't anyone looking at Luton? I'm pretty sure everyone's looking at Luton. Um if you haven't been paid attention to Luton over the past couple of years, I would question where you've been over the past couple of years. They're a very good team. They're a very smart football club. They have been building for the past... When is it... When was it that they got promoted? Was it 2019-20? Because it was that 3-3 game on the opening day, yeah. wasn't it? That was their first season in the championship. Yeah. God, <laughs> memories. 
yeah, it's they're a good team and they're a good football club in terms of just how they operate. And it's going to be a really, really interesting affair because it's a, a, a really good defence, one of the best of the championship. I think they've kept the most clean sheets in the league this season versus the, the championship's most potent attack. So what wins there? Is it the, mm. the sturgy, tough defence or is it the free-flowing, um, piercing attack? I... I'm really interested in this one, but I, I pulled up a stat before we started that Luton have scored 11 goals in the last 15 minutes of games this season, but also conceded 10. So that's a decent mm. share of goals there in the final 15 minutes. So it could get chaotic in the last 15 minutes of the game uh, at Kenilworth Road on Monday night, but I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a fantastic game. Yeah, moments of madness in the final 15, right? Mm. I mean, I'm all for it. But you were absolutely spot on, though, Dan. Like, they are a very smart football club, you know, using data first um, to try and get their recruitment absolutely spot on. You, like, you're looking for who they've been buying in the summer. Carly Woodrow was a, was a name that we really wanted. Carlin Morris as well. They're going for a snip uh, from, mm. from Barnsley. And yeah, I, I honestly question some of Barnsley's um, dealings because they've had some great players in the past and just let them go for pennies. Um, so, but, so like, you know, that's why they're probably in League One um, yeah. for, for doing that. But, uh, yeah, look, they're a really good football uh, team and it's going to be such a difficult uh, game on Monday night. And it could potentially be the playoff final, you know... Dress rehearsal. rehearsal. Re- dress rehearsal, mm. yeah. So, I don't know how it's going to go. What's your predictions, Dee? What are you thinking? Oh, you know what? Yeah, this is really, really tough to call. And I did say to you before we came and started recording this that I had to think about it. I haven't thought about it. So this is the I'll give you like on 50 odd minutes, Dana. Yeah, 50 well, I've minutes. just been, you know, I've just been thinking about other things. Um, and the half an hour we spoke before even the podcast started. <laughs> like, how much time do you need? <laughs> just want to score, it's not please. It's not enough. <laughs> um, oh, I think both teams are going to score. Um, I am going to go with 3-2 Middlesbrough. Why the hell not? Wow, you what? Love that. Absolutely <laughs> love a good scoreline like that. 3-2, you take that any day of the week. you know. You, um, I'm going to go with 2-1 Borough. I think we'll win. Um, I think we look really good at the minute. And I think we'll. Ha- I think it'll be a game where you mentioned there, Dan, I think it'll be moments of madness. And I think those moments will probably see those three goals happen within the space of 20 minutes. Um, and then it'll be a game of just basketball from there. Dana, thank you very much uh, for joining me as always. To listen to the viewers, thank you very much for listening to us and viewing us on YouTube. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to The Borough Breakdown on your podcast provider. And on YouTube, give us a five-star rating on your podcast provider. Give us a thumbs up on YouTube and subscribe and do all that fun stuff. Uh, but for right now, Borough and Maul, the Tigers. But can they pull something out the hat against the Hatters? This is the Borough Breakdown podcast. And that was our Borough Master Chatter in a pod. Up the Borough Breakdown.